0: said this, that the story of the Bible informs everything we do as a church. The Bible informs every aspect of, of what we actually do, not just what we believe, but what we do as a church. Um, and, and really, the story of the Bible is, is that God created all things, and he created it. Good. All right. We're catching on. That's awesome. God creates everything, and God says it's good. In fact, when he creates humans, he says that's very good. Um, and when he, when he creates women, he says perfect. All right. All right. Sweet. All right. All right. <laughs> Anyway, um, it, it says, it is very good, um, and, and just create, it declares creation as, as, as his good creation, but sin breaks everything, and he breaks us in three ways. It breaks us personally, where we are now carrying shame and weight to try to be the Lord over our own lives. We're trying to be the creator of everything. God did not give us that job. He's the creator. We're the creation. So personally, we're now carrying shame and guilt and sin that we would have never done that because we thought it would be a good idea for us to become like God. It breaks us relationally where that shame, we carry that shame into relationships with us and we try to get things to kind of orbit around us and and try to make ourselves feel comfortable and and, and really so we we see breakdown in relationships and struggle when it comes to the way we relate to each other other. Um, and sin broke us culturally where instead of us serving the world and, and and participating in the ongoing creation of all things what we do is we, we are now uh, we're consumers and we extract all the life that we can out of the out of creation instead of serving it and, and so we, we interact with all three of these aspects in ways where we're sin we Breaks it, but we know that God, in His grace and in His mercy, said that it can't stay like this and sends His Son send Jesus to the world to begin the, a restoration of all things. He wants to restore everything back to the way He originally created the world to be. So He wants to restore everything. So He's restoring us personally, He's restoring us relationally, He's restoring us culturally, He's restoring all things back to His original intention and so the the, really the question is how is he doing that well he's doing it through the work and life of the church the local church through the work and life of the church you begin to see all these things take place and and you see this in ephesians chapter 1 um, where he Where he starts to talk uh, through this he, he, and he, Paul is talking to the church it says, and he put all things he God put all things under jesus 's feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all and so and so when Jesus ascends to the right hand of God, he leaves his church to be the fullness of christ on earth and really begin to see all the work come out um, that he originally intended in fact jesus says says to his followers you will do these things and more um, as you begin to follow me and pursue the restoration of all things in the world, and so this is the, so we're stuck right now as a church. We're stuck in this in this in this tension between who we were because uh, because of sin and who we are now because of Christ. And so that's really the discipleship journey is 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 the journey from who I was to who I. Am. Am. And, and so we begin to see the work of the church taking place. So, so then the question is, what does a church have to actually do to see lives changed by Christ? If, if Jesus is changing lives through the work of the church, what do we actually have to do? And that's where Acts chapter 2 comes into play um, for us. And so go to Acts 2 verse 42. That's 907 uh, on the right there, page 40, uh, verse 42. It says this, And, and all the believers... Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, shared Everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together uh, at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And so if you were to take all of those activities, really, it's just a summary of everything the early church did and just throw them on a screen, you'd see this here. They said, they devoted themselves um, to teaching, prayer, attend, joy, fellowship, belief, bread, common vision, steward, gifts, favor, and the Lord added to their number daily, and the church said, I'm tired. Because that's a lot, right? But, but the fact is this, that the church can't be about one of these things and not about the others. It can't just be about four of these things and not about the others. Really, God laid all of these out for us to participate in. We devote ourselves, and the Lord adds. We devote ourselves, and the Lord adds daily to those He is saving. And so um, for us, the way we split this up is in three ways, is in worship, community, and in mission, those activities they kind of they kind of summarize nicely into these three groups here um, for us the way we kind of live them out. And so our worship is the alignment of our hearts with God's heart. We want to we want to pursue creation the Creator, not the creation. We want to become more like Christ, and so we do that through teaching, prayer, attendance, and joy. Last week I talked about that. Um, uh, for at length, so you can go back and listen to that um, on our podcast or online. Um, today, we're going to be talking about community, and then next week, we're going to be talking about mission. And, and I'd really say, if, if, you, uh, if you could come to any, I'd come next week, because we're going to be really laying out some, some pretty fun stuff for us as we move into 2018 together as a church. And so, again, Acts 2 says, they devoted themselves, and the Lord added... They devoted themselves, and the Lord adds. And so when you move through these three things, you begin to see a change take place in your heart, in the church's heart, and as, our, and, and as, a, as a collective heart as we begin to serve the world that we love. Um, and so we, the way, again, the way we split it up is, is here, uh, the journey from who I was to who I am. Uh, we move through worship, community, and mission. Um, for worship, it's gatherings, for community, it's groups, and for mission, it's teams. And so we want to all become more like Christ together. Um, And so those three, you're going to, you hear me say all the time, we worship, we belong, we serve because this is us. This is everything that we do. This is who we are. This is how you do the things that God um, has laid out for the church to be a part of in order to see the restoration of all things. And so our core values as a church is to worship, is to belong, is to serve. We pursue God. We belong to each other in community, and we serve the world because we love. uh, We love as we love each other. We will love the world uh, that God loves. So um, we move through those three things. So today we're talking about belonging and community. in the In the world, there's five million species, five million species of of different aspects of creation. And so when we talk about a culture of family belonging, humans are 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 part of what is called a social species. And so of the 5 million, there's some individual, some social, and, and humans are a part of what is called the social species, meaning that we are biologically hardwired to live in communities outside of ourselves. Like we can't help it but collect but to collect with other humans and other individuals to become uh, to engage with them socially and communally. So that's why you see all these collections of all these different things. You have like the Rotary Club. You have the Soccer Association. You have the, the Football Association. You have the church. You have all these little collections of things that take place all throughout uh, the world because humans are biologically hardwired to s- socialize with other humans, to be in relationship with other humans. But, but sometimes, because of our brokenness, because of sin, we want to but move away from others. And we'll, well, a lot of times, we'll spend our time away from community. And so we spend our time just in isolation. And so there's actually a sociological understanding of, of life called uh, social, social isolation, uh, which is essentially a long kind of academic word for loneliness, And so sometimes we'll spend our time in loneliness, uh, really just experiencing loneliness, but really many of us don't understand that loneliness is like hunger. Loneliness is, is your body telling you that you need community. That you need community, you need to belong to a community of some sort. And so you'll, you'll feel this loneliness, you'll feel this desire for connection with other people. Um, and but many times, if we don't act upon that, what we do is we, we move ourselves into further, further and further into isolation. And there's actually physical interaction. Like your body actually takes a toll when you don't intentionally belong in community. When you don't take that step, your body takes a toll. It it does a few things. Loneliness will, will stop the cortisol levels in your brain from going down. That's a hormone in your brain. It's a very powerful hormone in your brain that will literally not decrease because you're lonely. Because your body's telling you, hey, you, like, you need to protect yourself. You need to, you need to do something. Um, but your brain is, is literally going to alarm you of these different threats. And so your cortisol level is not going to go down. Because of loneliness, a lot of times you can't sleep well. And so you can't decrease the level of, 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 of toxins in your body simply because you're not sleeping. Right, and so you have all of these interact. You like loneliness will take a physical toll, and in fact, many times, and so and senior citizens they will tie they will tie death with loneliness when they find themselves isolated for prolonged periods of time. And so your body and social, and social um, your body is like literally looking as a social species, looking for community. Sometimes we spend too much time in, in, in isolation and, and loneliness, and it literally begins to affect our bodies. All the way to the point, if you don't do something, there's this thing called social preservation, social preservation, where literally your body will put yourself in a major uh, major awareness of threat all the time. You won't even be able to empathize with people appro- appropriately because you will constantly be on the search for threats. This, this, this is a perfect example of it is look at this, this school of fish um, it, maybe if you've been here for a few years, you've seen me show this before. Um, but this school of fish, there's literally thousands of schools of fish. What they're doing is they're making themselves bigger so that they can protect themselves from prey. Um, but really, if you see, the, the reason why it's spinning is because these people, the, the, these people, these fish, the, <laughs> these fish on the, uh, on the outside, they're trying to fight their way in to the center of the circle. So these, they're, these this fish, they're, they're trying to get into because they know if they spend too much time on the outside of the circle, the, uh, the ability for them to get picked off is a lot higher. A shark could come and just say, boop, get them. And so you have this thing where, where these fish, they're trying to get inside because they know on the outside is where they can experience danger. And so they're trying to move in. And so you see this fish school happening, moving around. And so a lot of times we spend as people. This is a many species of fishes are are, of fish are uh, social in nature as well. And so we can take a lot of this understanding here when we spend time on the outside of a community in isolation we will literally experience things that our body was never meant to experience. And we're, just, we're gonna be stuck in, in safe mode because we will never be able to engage, we're not being able to engage in community. And community is exactly what your body needs. This is just purely science, it's pure biology, it's just how your body was hardwired. And you know what I love about this, when I study this stuff, I open up the Bible literally to the second page of the Bible in Genesis 2, it says this, And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. And you're like, oh, literally, if I'm alone, like, it it affects all of my biology, my hardwiring, my makeup. It can literally lead to the death of certain people if my aloneness takes over my reality. He says it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and his mother uh, his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. What I love about this is that God says Adam you need community. You need belonging. You need to exist outside of yourself. You were created in the image of a God that's triune, that's community, that's a a community of mutual self-giving love. I need to put you in that same type of community because you need it. You literally were created for it, but you weren't just created for any type of community. You weren't just created to go be a part of the the Rotary Club. You weren't just created to go participate in like a soccer thing, or you weren't just created to be part of any community. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians 5. He says this, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. He's quoting the verse in Genesis 2. And the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ in the church. Think, think, about the, think about this for a second. God created you in the image of a triune God, a community of mutual self giving love. He takes Adam, he puts him in the same type of community. And Paul says that that community is referring to the church, not just marriage, it's not just relationships. It's, it's talking about the local church. Your, your body literally will send you impulses when you aren't connected to the community. That God created you to be a part of a community that worships and belongs with the triune God of the universe. You were literally created to be a part of the local church. So much so that your body will send you impulses that you need to get there. God. Is saying to the church. He's saying, saying to people all over the place. You know that desire, that belonging that you need. You can find it when you connect with other people in the local church. And so, and so, really, it comes down for us to a, a few different ways that we experience this um, from Acts two. Literally, the activities that we do here, we do it in four ways. Um, number one, we experience community uh, through uh, man. I'm forgetting my points here. Fellowship. We experience our community we cultivate community through fellowship and this is really us we, we don't push away from the table what we do is we lean in we don't push away from the table a lot of times what we're doing, because we're we cannot we have a propensity towards social isolation as soon as something insults us what do we do Boop. i'm out of here i'm out why because we want, to, we, want to, we want to be after our own stuff. What community is, a community is not built off that. Community is built off us leaning in with us realizing that we disagree with people, with us realizing that we don't have opinions, that, that we don't have the only opinion that counts, with us realizing that we need to stretch and change and move like, you think about the verse that everyone loves to quote, but, but you're, like, we're, we're t- you know, there, there's a, a cord of two or three strands can't be easily broken, right? Where it says like, as iron sharpens iron. You're like, everyone loves you. Like, we put that on all these coffee, coffee mugs all over. Like, have you ever seen iron sharpen iron? It's, like, horrific. It's, like, sparks. It's crazy, and these people, like, literally, that's a commu- that the picture of a community where there's, like, iron sharpening each other. Like, that's, that's what we're for. Fellowship is literally a group of people sharpening each other. This is what, this is what Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 2 where he says this. Um, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, anyone encouraged by Christ this morning? Okay. Is there any comfort from his love? Anyone comforted by the love of Christ this morning? Any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. He said, hey, are you encouraged by Christ this morning? Be unified. Be unified. Engage in fellowship with each other do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. You know where the the place, the like any place that should be like just full of people saying, no, you go first. Like, you know that awkward, like that moment when you're walking into like a store and you open the door and like someone's supposed to, like, like cultural rules, you're supposed to just walk in when someone opens the door for you, but they go, no, you go. You're like, No, I open the door for you. Like you go. No, no, you go. No, no, you go. That's fine. No, you go. That's cool. No, that's cool. Does that that ever happen to anybody on the road? On the road? when you're pulling out of the side street, right? You're pulling out of the side street, like you're the one, you definitely don't have the right of way, but that person is like blocking traffic for a mile and a half to let you out. But then the other person is coming, like this lane is coming, that guy won't go, this lane keeps going, you're stuck, and it's just pure traffic chaos for the matter of 30 seconds. That literally makes me die slow deaths, right? Like I have so t- such difficult time with that. Like that is, if there's any better picture for a local church to say, hey, you go first, no, you go first, no, you you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. Why? Because we are actually putting the interests of others above ourselves. Can you imagine what a community of people who said, that is what I'm all about actually did? Like, I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen that in my lifetime, to have hundreds of people all connected in the local church say, no, 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 you go first. Oh, no, you like it loud? That's cool. Oh, you like it quiet? All right, cool. No, let's do that. Oh, you oh, oh, like, you like, you like that, that style? All right, cool, that's cool. Well, I like this style. All right, great, that's awesome. Let's do it that way. Like, what if we, like, fought over serving each other? Like, no, 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 let me outdo you in showing honor. Like, let me do that for you. Like, what if we did that for each other? Do you imagine what we would, like, I don't, I don't, who doesn't want to be a part of a community where they say, hey, well, how are, like, how do we be a part of what you're about? Fellowship. We don't push away from the table because what we're doing, it's the difference between this. Are you dating or are you married to the church? Are you dating churches? Like, ah, you know, I'll just just date you for four years. But the moment you do something that, I already told you a few weeks ago, give us a few weeks. Odds are we're gonna disappoint you. Why? Because we're humans, right? We disappoint each other. That's kind of like, what happened with sin? Like, that's how it works. But are you dating the church? Or are you married to the church? When there's a covenant of people engaging with each other, you work through the thing that just doesn't feel good. You just, oh, God, how do we move through that? How do we move through that together? How do we move through that? But you know what? A lot of times happens in churches. I'm royally upset about something, and I stay royally upset because I don't engage in any conversation. And then in a year, I leave. That's how that works. That, like that's how church dynamics work. For some reason, why? Because we've never actually dealt with this. I think as as Christians. We've, we've, we've built an entire system many times on the fact that we need to have it all together. Our life needs to look perfect. I can't possibly be struggling with anything. And then the moment I do, I got to leave because everyone else is perfect. I don't fit in. But here's the deal. Everyone's jacked up. Everybody. Raise your hand if you're jacked up. Come on. Let's do it. Yep. We're all messed up. We're all messed up. So you want to belong to a community of people that are messed up? <laughs> How's that for marketing, right? Like, nobody puts that on their website. We're jacked up. <laughs> Gatherings, 8.30 and 10.30, Sunday morning. <laughs> like, I'm not throwing that on Facebook. Why? Well, like, but that's literally, like, that's literally what the church is. Like we're all, did, we're all announcing the fact that we need someone to save us. And so we fellowship together. It's more than just like, hey, I like it loud. The pastor wears jeans. It's more than that. We're covered by the blood of Christ. And we find our home in him. And whether you're six or you're 66, or somewhere in between, we can fellowship together because our home is ultimately in Christ and not in our preferences. And so fellowship is more than anything that we find encouraging, uh, more than we find in comfort or more than we find in consumerism. It's found in covenanting with each other to say, hey, we're moving to become more like Christ together. Are we tracking this morning? All right, number two, we pursue a culture of community, not just through fellowship, but through belief. We, we just spent a lot of time on this, so I'll just move through this quickly. We, we know what is in our closed hand. We know what is in our close hand. Like a church that is centered on their, what they know what they believe, they don't just have an understanding of doctrine, but they have a DNA of doctrine, okay? I talk to a lot of Christians who know a lot of things, but very many, very few where their head and their heart are connected, and they allow the things that they know to infuse them with affection for the things of the Lord. Very few. You can tell who they are when, they, when you talk to them, but, but when you can get your mind and your heart connected, and you allow the things that are in your head to infuse what's in your heart, and you allow what's in your heart to infuse the learning of more things, you begin to build a relationship with Jesus more than just knowing things about him or more than just, I hope to feel better because I went to church, but more there's a building a relationship and all the ups and downs that that happens with. And so belief is understanding that our close-handed things are in there. So if you you are newer to our church this, this morning, there is a a full doctrinal statement on our website, you can go there, or you can go into this series, the series, uh, the first five weeks of this series, you can hear all of our major close-handed doctrines um, and, and, and pursue that together. Um, but we, pr- we cultivate community through belief. Number three, we cultivate community by, breaking of, by the breaking of bread. We are fully known so that we can fully grow. Um, The the church, if there's any place in the world, if there's any group of people in the world where it should be safe to admit that you don't have it all together, it should be the church. Many times we are deeply scared of being fully known. Here's the deal. God knows not just what you do, but he knows why you do them. He doesn't just see what you do, your activity, but he knows why you do the activity. Many times we can pull off a really good picture of serving, but he might know why we serve, and that might not be so pretty. He, 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 he might be able to see some good things that you do, some giving that you do, or some whatever, whatever you engage in on that. He might see it, but he knows why you do that, and that's not always something you want to write home about. But when you're fully known by a group of people that they can experience, where you can experience the grace of God. In worship, you pursue God, but you literally experience the tangible grace of God in community, where you can literally say, here's me, here's me. And they say, hey, you know what? That's cool, that's me too. Here's here's where I struggle with, here's where I'm at. And you build relationships because it's in relationships, it's in being fully known to somebody that you experience the tangible grace of God. If you're not in meaningful relationship with certain people that know you, odds are I would say you have a stunted view of God's grace to you and you probably struggle with that personally. You probably struggle with that personally if you have not experienced that relationally. Being fully known is one of the most incredible things where, you, where I, I talked about this a uh, bunch last year when it comes to personal stuff. Have you ever, have you ever like, been scared to death when someone picks up your phone to look up at something real quick? Have you ever been there? Come on, you guys are all liars. Of course you have. <laughs> of course you have, right? right? Don't pick up my phone. Why? Because, like, I just don't want you to see what I was looking at, right? But, like, but what if you could get to the point where you could say, hey, yeah, just, yeah, go ahead, use my phone, it's fine. For some of you, that probably hits home a lot closer than others, perhaps. But... But it's, it's being fully known. My life is an open book. There's nothing any one of you can come up to me and say, hey, I've, I've heard something about you today or last week, and I'm not going to like, go crazy inside. I, there's a few people that know everything about me. If they still like me, you, yeah, the odds are they're, you're all right. You're going you're gonna to be okay. Being fully known is where you can experience the full grace of God. And so we do that by breaking bread. We do that at our church through home groups. Um, we, have t- we have about 20 home groups, 20 groups in general, about 14 of those are home groups where people are literally in each other's homes every single week. You don't experience care at a level, you don't really experience the real life of our church unless you're in one. And so if you wanna be in one today, we can find a home for you um, and, and engage in that so let us know, but, but really it's, it's in those breaking of bread, it's in the breaking of bread where you, be, you can be fully known. And so we cultivate community through fellowship, through belief, through breaking of bread, and lastly, through communion. Um, lastly, through communion. Um, really, where it says they experienced all things in common. They had all things in common. All things in common. Can you, can you, can you imagine that? I don't think that's, well, I don't think what, what, what Acts is talking about there, uh, what the book of Acts is talking about there is, 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 a, is a uniformity. Where like everyone's got to look the same way. Thank God for that. But there is unity in that, where things are in common. And ultimately, the thing that we have in common, um, even if it doesn't seem so at first, is that is that all of our lives intersect meaningfully because of Christ, because he's invaded our sin, he's invaded our sinful life, and he overrides the broken story you were living. He overrides the broken story you were living. So here's Ephesians chapter 2 on this uh, quickly is, um, when we can engage with, with this, Paul says, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. That's a long phrase. But, but that he might create in himself one new man in one place of the two, so making peace. Well, that big, long phrase, is there used to be a, a group of people that lived this way. There's another group of people that live this way. And what he said, he broke down the wall of hostility. He did that for you personally. He's doing that for us relationally. Communion is a common union that we have in the body and blood of Christ. And living a whole new way of life. Being at home with each other. We cultivate it by not only taking communion, but we take it, we, we we cultivate community through communion by understanding that we all have the same story. None of us in this community are labeled by the number that's in our bank account, the level in the organization that we serve in, how many community service hours we do, how many people love us, or how many people hate us in case you're that way, I don't know. That's not what we're known for. What ties us together is the resurrected Jesus and all the work that he's doing in us and through us. And so community is so crucial. If you want to experience healthy community, there's really four aspects, four different aspects. Of your so I want to just give you that quick. Um, community, community is going to find healthy, healthy, healthiness across four spaces in your life. There's public space, there's social space, there's personal space, and then there's intimate space. Public space is a, is a gathering of some sort around a common cause. So a New England Patriots game, for instance. You go to a game, everyone's gathered around the Patriots, the whole idea of football, all that sort of stuff. You go there. If you're a guy that's just sitting there like this and they score a touchdown, if you've ever been there, you know exactly what happens. They yell at you, man. Like, they're, like, upset. Like, you don't know anything about these people, but you're expected to, like, bear, like, you know, bump chess and high five and do all this, you're expected to go crazy because that's a, a public gathering in that. There's social gathering. Uh, there's social space where, um, f- so for us, our public space is really this weekend gathering where, where you guys might not know each other. Maybe this side doesn't know this side. People from th- that, this side don't know that side. Um, but you're here on the common cause of Christ. And we are able to worship him and experience him. Um, then you have social space. Um, where you begin to learn different facts about each other and different points about who you are um, and where you're from and maybe some stuff about your life, some snapshots about your life. Social space, that allows you to build friendships and start these relationships. For us, it's, it's the cafe and, and maybe our mid-sized men's and women's and our, maybe our serving spaces, um, you begin to see this stuff. And I'd really challenge you on this one here is, is sometimes, like right now especially, we're seeing this real movement where like, people will come gather and then they leave. They come gather, and I'm like, and I get we're all busy, but I would challenge you maybe just to stay five, ten minutes and say hi to someone, meet somebody you haven't known. Build some social space um, into your church rhythm so that you can experience the grace of God through that. Um, You have personal space, uh, which is, this is really where you're starting to to meet each other on a a major level. You're starting to be able to make eye contact for longer periods of time, Um, and you're just comfortable in each other's presence. There might be one or two families there. Um, but for us, this is our group section. You experience this personal community in our home groups. Um, and it's, it's really important that we get to there. I, right, we typically have a good engagement with that. 60 to 70% of our church are engaged in home groups. And that's really where the primary amount of our life um, as a church is experienced. And so if you're not in one, you, you, you need to get in one because that's really where we're engaging with major relationships in our church. Um, if you want to do that, you can see us at the Connections Desk. And then lastly, there's intimate space. This is really shared with only a couple people in your life. But for us, that's where our care comes into play, where you might be one-on-one or, or two-on-one, where it comes to some major, need, some, some major needs of healing or health in your life at some point. But intimate space is really where we're engaging that. And so we want to foster these things all throughout this community because that's exactly what we were created to do. You know, there's multiple schools of fish. I didn't know this um, up until this week, and, you know, it's pretty geeky, so bear with me if that's okay. Um, But but there's multiple schools of fish. The first one is an aggregate school of fish where there's aggregation happening. If you see this school of fish, um, this is just everyone's kind of similar where they're just kind of swimming and doing different things um, and and just kind of moving into a similar space. But you see there's not much interaction, not much uniformity. There's not much going on there but they're just kind of together. Um, and then there's another school it's called a shoal. Um, and and this is often where we think this sometimes we call this school and uh, and really it's it's this is really a shoal where where everyone's kind of doing similar things. Um, but there's only but they but they're not in, in unit they're not in uniformity, they're not in unity. So you have some people there eat it some people I did it again. This is that's the fourth time I did that this morning. They're fish. I swear they're fish. I know, I know, I know this uh, to be true. Uh, some fish are eating. Some fish are maybe looking for mates. Some fish are kind of swimming around, and maybe some are resting or whatever. But there's all these different people. Oh, gosh. All these different, all these different fish doing different things. They're all there for different purposes. They're all there for different purposes. But then you have a school. And what makes a school a school is polarization. They're all pointing in the same direction. They're all pointing in the same direction. They're all, doing, they're all there for the same reason. They're all there for the same purposes. And I think if I, if I pray anything for our churches, it's this, is that we move from a shoal to a school. And we move from a shoal to a school. It's very easy for us to, okay, we'll get a few hundred people in a gathering on a weekend. Well, we're all coming here because oh, we got, some of us are here because we like the music, and some of us maybe are here because, because we like the teaching, and some are here because we like the community or the kids space, and they all come to these different things, all these come to these different places. But really what makes a community beautiful, really you take a school official, if you do some research, you look at some different schools, they become beautiful when they're all pointing in the same direction. And our church exists for one thing, is to see lives changed by Christ. That's it. If we can all polarize to that, if we can all point to that and say, you know what, I want to take all of my preferences, all the ways that I think church should be, all these different things. I'm going to lay that at the foot of the cross because I think what God wants me to do is be a part of a restoration plan where we can begin to see people changed in multiple different facets, personally, relationally, culturally, all these different ways. We can see people changed, and we become a school where people really find real safety. They find real experiences of worship. They find real change and real like in like measurable change as they as they engage with our mission we can take this church this local church and make it about something much more than just preferences but we can make it about people needing to meet christ what would a church look like a community instead of being just a show where everyone's kind of the same place for all these different reasons we all became about one thing, to see lives changed by Christ. I'm, I'm looking forward to 2018 in a pretty major way because I think we're gonna be able to experience that in a ways that we've never have before. Lives changed by Christ, not just here at our church where people meet Jesus, but lives changed by Christ through our service in different countries as we, as we help them in very tangible ways lives changed by Christ as we see relationships healed and people engaged with each other. If we could take a church and move it from a shoal to a school, gosh, I wonder what God could do. Are we tracking today?